All right, so here we are in Philippians chapter 3, and there's a lot of really great truths that are packed into this one chapter here. But I want to start off, I want to kick this chapter off by reading verse 8. And notice what it says in verse 8. It says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Okay, notice that statement there, that I may win Christ. What does that mean, that I may win Christ? Because this is another example of a verse that if somebody wanted to, they could come along if they're wanting to teach a work salvation. You know, they could say, hey, if you're, if you're going to gain Christ, you know, you don't just get him just by believing on him. You know, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. You know, you've got to win him. You know, why would it say that you won something when there was like no effort? You know, you just didn't do anything, you know. It, but the truth is, this he's talking about something specific here when he says that I may win Christ. And when you look at the whole chapter and when you look at that statement in context and you see what he's talking about, you'll realize just how foolish that would be to use this verse to try to prove some kind of work salvation or to prove that you have to achieve something in order to keep your salvation. So let's go ahead, though, and let's start looking at the context. Let's start because this is this is and there's a few examples in here. I don't know if I'll take time to look at all of them of just verses and statements or phrases that you'll see in this chapter that people will just take it and run with it. Kind of like 2 Timothy 2.15, where they take the rightly dividing, and then they just tell you what that means without looking at the context and what Paul was talking about in 2 Timothy. And then they just like, see, rightly dividing is in the Bible, you know, just because that phrase is there. And you could do that here, too. You could say, hey, winning Christ is in the Bible. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's not look at the scripture. Let me tell you what it means. You know, it means you've got to persevere to the end. You know, it means you've got to do some kind of great work. You know, that's wrong. We're not allowed to use the Bible like that. And just because somebody goes and they throw a biblical phrase at you or throw one verse at you doesn't mean that they're necessarily proclaiming truth. You've got to look at these things in context. So let's look what he says in verse 1. It says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Now why is he saying this here, that it's safe for me to write this to you? He's saying that what he's writing to them, he's secure about it. In other words, you know, they will be, you know, they will be safe, they will be secure in following what he says. And you need to understand too, you know, we shouldn't just take anything someone says, anything some preacher says, you know, without doing some homework, especially when it comes to something involving our soul, okay? You know, and you think about just how dangerous it is to teach somebody a false gospel, to teach somebody a way to heaven that's not going to work. That's a very dangerous thing to do because there's a lot of well-meaning people out there that they're just, they're going to come into a church and think, well, you know, that's a preacher. He's going to tell me the truth. You know, he wouldn't lie to me. Yeah, and they feel safe in listening to whatever they say. And there's a lot of people like that today. They don't, you know, they'll, they want to come to church and they just want a preacher to do everything for them. They don't want to do any work themselves. They don't want to study themselves. They're not like the Bereans. And they feel secure in doing that. Well, this is a good guy. I like him. He's popular. I'll listen to him. Okay? That's a dangerous thing to do. But Paul right here, 
He's saying, what I'm going to write to you, it is safe. You're secure in following it. And you know, we're always safe. We're always going to be secure if we're following what the Word of God says. So, because what Paul is writing to them too, it is going to be something that, you know, it affects the soul. It concerns the soul. It's about salvation. And so Paul is letting them know that this is something you can be secure in because what he's about to tell them, it is 100% true. But also, what he's about to say is very controversial. Paul's about to say some pretty harsh things. You know, some things that people would consider mean even. And notice what he says in verse 2. He says, beware of dogs. Now, how many people think he's talking about dogs? All right, like puppy dogs, things like that. No, that's not what he's talking about right here. Okay? He's not, you know, a lot of people have this Bible verse up at their house whenever we go out soul winning. It says, beware of dogs. So you think they're Christians, and then they still slam the door in your face. You know, I, I never really got that before, but uh, lame joke there. But anyway, it says, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Okay, So right here, he's not necessarily warning them about the Jews, but he's warning them about Judaizers. Okay, Now, we would often use this verse to prove that you know we are the people of God now. We are the circumcision. The circumcision was often a term used for the Jews. They were the circumcision. Why? Because that physical circumcision that they did in the Old Testament... It was something that God gave to Israel, and it separated them. It distinguished them physically from everyone else in the world. That was a practice that they did that God gave them. So they were often referred to as the circumcision. But the Apostle Paul here, he's saying right here to the Christians, he's saying, we are the circumcision. Okay? So he's saying, but he's also saying that too, because this, he's not saying this just in opposition to the Jews, but in opposition to supposed Jewish converts to Christianity. Because one thing that you see the Apostle Paul fighting in the book of Acts, and you see him you know, fighting these people, talking about his fight with them in the book of Galatians, are Judaizers, people who were coming into the church, and they were trying to add works to salvation. And in the book of Acts, they dealt with it. This question came up. People were coming along saying that you must be circumcised to be saved. And, you know, Paul was able to let the Gentiles know, hey, we've got good news. You don't have to be circumcised to get saved. And the Gentiles were all really excited about that because they, they didn't want to have to go through with that. And he's saying here that the truth is, you know, these people who are teaching this, people who are teaching that you have to be circumcised to be saved or that you have to keep the law of Moses to be saved, the Apostle Paul called them dogs. Why? Because they, they, this was a dangerous teaching. This was a very wicked teaching. And once again, you had these Judaizers. They wanted to do some type of thing in the flesh, even as Christians, to distinguish them from the rest of the world. But that's not what we're about. We are not about what we are and what we do physically. It's about what we are spiritually. And that's why he says, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. We don't worship God through any cutting of the flesh. You know, we don't worship God through things like that. We do in the spirit and we rejoice in Christ Jesus. In other words, we brag on what Jesus does, not what we do. Anybody who thinks they're going to heaven and wants to talk about how they know they're saved 
because I do this, I did that. They're not saved. People who are going to heaven are people who are crediting all their works to Jesus Christ, saying he did, he did it all for me. I just believed on him for salvation. Those are the people who are actually going to heaven, not the people doing all the works. And so we don't have any confidence in the flesh. So we're not bragging when we tell people that we know we're going to heaven. We're not bragging on ourselves because salvation is not of works. It's completely about faith in Jesus Christ. And so notice how, though, when he calls them dogs, he calls them evil workers. And then he, calls, he, said, he also calls them concision. Okay? Now, what does that word concision mean? Well, it, the definition, it means a mutilation or a cutting down. Okay. Now, why is why would he say that about the circumcision? Because first off, did God not institute the circumcision? But yet, it was kind of a you know rough practice, wasn't? It? Remember what Moses' wife said to him: "A bloody husband art thou," because of the circumcision. And it was something that you know, but you know, God had him do it for a reason. It was something that God wanted them to do. But now Paul's almost talking about it. He's, he's using a very harsh term when he says this. Now, I think kind of what he's doing, and I could be wrong on this, but this is kind of my opinion on why he referred to it as a concision. It's kind of like, it's like an insulting term. For example, we often would call like the Church of Christ people, I, I hear people call them water dogs. Okay? Now, why do they call them water dogs? Because they're teaching that you have to be baptized to go to heaven. Okay? Now, baptism is a good thing, but you know, calling somebody a water dog, that's kind of an insult, isn't it? But they're doing that because when you add works to salvation, anybody who preaches true salvation gets pretty upset by that. And so you, know, you, kind, of throw, you kind of throw that insult in there. You, you know, when we're talking about Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, we don't like to call them Jehovah's Witnesses because they're not witnesses for Jehovah, so we call them you know, Jehovah's False Witnesses. Which kind of sounds bad too, because Jehovah doesn't have false witnesses. All right, you know, I just like calling them the false witnesses. You know, we're 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 trying to come up with some type of insulting term that you know reflects on their wicked doctrine that they have. And so I think when when Paul's saying this here, he's not calling it the concision because the circumcision necessarily was just this horrible mutilating thing. But you know what? It might as well be if you're teaching somebody they have to do that in order to be saved. And so he uses a very strong term here because adding works to salvation is a very dangerous thing. And so he is, he is strongly warning them against these people. And so verse 4, notice what he says, because this is right after he says, we have no confidence in the flesh. Then he goes on to say, though I might also have confidence in the flesh... If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. So circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. So Paul was circumcised. He, you know, Paul was circumcised too on the eighth day, like you were supposed to. So in other words, he did it from his birth. Now they did have it where someone could convert to Judaism and they could receive the circumcision later. But it was probably more impressive back then. If you got it done on the eighth day, showing that you were always a Jew from the time from the time of, of birth. So he bringeth that up. He, he brings that up, and then he says of the tribe of Benjamin. He even knows what tribe he's from. You know, he's got a pure bloodline going back to Benjamin. Unlike maybe somebody who converted into Judaism, 
that just had to accept the tribe that they lived among. Because if you did, if, if you or I would have moved there and uh, we converted to Judaism, like what tribe are we in? Well, it depends on where we live. And, but he is actually got the bloodline from the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee. So he's, he had received a high rank as a Jew concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Okay, now, was the Apostle Paul saying he never violated any of God's laws? But no, I don't believe he's saying that here, but I think what he calls himself blameless here is he's just saying, I was such a good Jew, I followed the law so well, nobody would have said anything against me. Nobody would have had a problem with me because of the fact that I was doing a really good job. You know what Paul was doing here? Paul... Paul's basically saying, I've outdone any of these Jews. Any of these people that are they're going to want to come along and they want to talk about you know, how good they are and how they've earned heaven because they've kept the works of the law. Paul's saying, I've outdone all of those people, but yet it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't make one difference. It's not going to get me one more second in heaven. It, it, none of those things matter. But yet these people, I, they love talking about this. You know, and I hate to say this too, but this is something that regularly just irritates me. And I'm going to go ahead and say it, though, because the Apostle Paul did, so I feel like I can get away with it too. But you know what? And just forgive me for, for what I'm about to say. But, you know, I'm better than the people who teach you have to work your way to heaven to, are myself. You know, it's amazing how many Calvinists are out there teaching that you have to persevere to the end, teaching that if you haven't repented of your sins, you're not really saved. I'm not doing those people. Listen, I was born in church. I've been, I've been listening to preaching since I was in my mother's womb, all right? You know, I, I, I came from a Baptist preacher's home. I went to either Christian school or was homeschooled my whole life. I wasn't allowed to do anything growing up. You know, I, I didn't do any of this. I've not, I've not done any of the things that Baptists aren't supposed to do. I haven't worn any of the clothes that we're not supposed to wear. I've not gone to any of the places that we're not supposed to go. I've followed all the rules that everyone looks at Baptists and say, y'all are weird because of all that stuff. Man, I've done all that from birth. You know, it's touching those things, blameless. And here's the thing, too. These same clowns that are teaching that stuff, I mean... I've got higher standards than they do. I mean, I, I don't do, I mean, I, I, I could, I get up here and I could talk a lot about this, all the stuff I haven't done. All right. You know, you name it. I haven't tried it. Okay. <laughs> whatever drug, I, I haven't done it. Okay. I've not tried anything. I'm afraid to even take a doctor prescribed pain pill. I got prescribed Vicodin one time after I had my appendix taken out and I didn't take it. I was afraid to, I'd heard too many stories. I'm, I was scared of Advil for the longest time. Uh, that, that's, that's, how, that's how I was, okay? So, you know, it's, it's, it's touching those things, blameless. Guess how much heaven that has earned me? Zero. Okay? Absolutely nothing. When I stand before God, God is not going to look at me. He's like, wow, you never took any pills. You never did, you know, you never did this. It, it doesn't matter. Those things don't mean a thing. The only thing that matters is have you believed on Christ and yet, but yet the same people who want to push this stuff and act like other people aren't saved because they're doing this or they're not doing that, the same people, they're not even doing what I'm doing. You know, 
And I've got to listen to them say that stuff. And I don't want to just go out and, you know, and, and the thing is, I'm not bragging. Because you're just like, wow, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. Well, you know, it's not really impressive when you consider the home that I grew up in. You know, most people, if they were raised the way I would uh, was, wouldn't have done those things either. You know, uh, and I thank God that I grew up in a home where I was, you know, taught standards, where I was taught to stay away from certain things. I'm, I'm thankful that I was sheltered. But y'all realize because of that, God requires more of me because to whom much is given, much is required. So there's a lot of people, they can't say all those things that I just said about themselves, but they weren't given what I was given. So whenever God looks at me versus them, I don't, I don't really want God comparing like that. And you know what? God doesn't compare me with other people. I only get compared with Jesus Christ. And guess what? I come short of the glory of God, and therefore I am 100% dependent on the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ when it comes to my salvation. Now, if I want to follow these things like the, you know, like the Apostle Paul continued to do, I believe it will help me have a better life. And I, and I want to do these things, but I would be a dog. I would be an evil worker. If I were to get up and tell you, you've got to do what I'm doing in order to go to heaven. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to teach right here. And so he's just trying to show these people aren't impressive. Because you know what? Even back in those days, you had the clowns that are, and they're all over today. They're in this movement that they always want to follow the guy that's the most hardcore. The one who beats his chest the hardest, that's who they want to follow. Okay? And listen, you know what? I, I, a lot of people are doing a lot of chest pounding about Santa Claus and stuff right now. All right, now listen, if you teach your kids that there's no such thing as Santa Claus, great. Here's my question. Do you really need to teach them that? I mean, did you all have to explain to your kids there's no such thing as Superman? The guys don't really fly and shoot fire out of their eyes? You know, did you have to, te- you know, did you have to teach your kids that there's no such thing as Bugs Bunny? You know, when you go to Six Flags and they see Bugs Bunny, do you have to like, tell your kids, no, that's not really a rabbit right there? That's just a guy in a costume. Do you have to explain those things to your kids? All right, because apparently a lot of people need to explain that to their kids when it comes to Santa Claus. All right? And yeah, I'm not for, you know, don't teach your kids that that's really Bugs Bunny there when you go to Six Flags and that it's not a guy in a costume. Yeah, and don't teach your kids, yeah, that Santa Claus is really real and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm getting sick of these people that are wanting to beat their chest about it and then, like, you know, Calling Santa Claus a reprobate and all these things. You know, it's just like, come on. You know, I, 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 I realize special effects are pretty cool these days. But, you know, I never had to explain to my kids that Spider-Man wasn't real. You know, I, I think most people are smart enough to figure those things out. You know, and you know what? The chest thumping, it's not a new thing. It was going on in the Apostle Paul's day. Just people want to talk about how great they were. And the Apostle Paul, he's just saying, I've got these guys beat by a mile, yet I'm not going to talk about that stuff. Because that doesn't matter. And it's, it's, it's high time we get a hold of that. So look at verse 7. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. So, you know, Paul, because of the fact that he was a Pharisee, because you know, he you know, had all these things going for him religiously. 
Paul was a high-ranking guy. Paul was somebody who had some authority, who had the respect of the people, but Paul ended up losing those things because he followed Christ. And it says in verse 8, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Okay, so now... Let's, so let's think about the statement, that I may win Christ. So the Apostle Paul said, everything that would be considered gain, I lost it all following after Christ. And he said, that's okay, because I'm fine with that, because I want to win Christ. So does that mean salvation? Obviously not, considering the fact that the Apostle Paul has just been going on calling people dogs who had works of salvation. Because of the fact the Apostle Paul just went and, in a sense, is kind of bragging on himself a little bit. Speaking as a fool is another way he put it in other passages where he did something like this. Speaking as a fool, talking about all the things that he had done, all the things that he had going for him. But the Apostle Paul said, you know what? I'm okay. I count all those things but lost. They're nothing but dung to me. Nobody misses dung. All right? Nobody misses that. Nobody cares about it. In fact, you never want to see it again. And the Apostle Paul, he said, I count all those things but dung that I may win Christ. So what's he talking about here? Well, I think, I think we're going to see as we go into the later verses. So the Apostle Paul, he lost all his standing he had with the Jewish brethren, but he gained Christ. You know, one, he gained Christ because of his faith in Christ. That's how he gained salvation. But I, I believe winning Christ is more than just that he's talking about is separate from just gaining Christ as far as having salvation. Because once you're saved, you've got Christ and you're never going to lose him. Okay? But what's he talking about here? Because the, the Apostle Paul, you know, one thing that he had done in order to be saved is he had repented to be saved. He repented of the dead works. In Hebrews 6 1, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. He says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So all those works of the law that Paul had been doing before in order to be saved, Paul repented of that and he had faith in Christ. But then in here in Hebrews 6, he's saying, hey, now that we're saved, let's go on to perfection. Let's go on to completion. Let's keep moving. Let's not just get saved and know that we're going to heaven and then just end it right there. And you can if you want. If you want to get saved and just get heaven secured for yourself and know your soul is secure, you can do that and you can not move forward. But, you know, you'll be better off if you move forward. And the Apostle Paul, the people he wrote to, he was always encouraging them to move forward. And as a church, we're not here to just get people saved and then end it right there. We're trying to get you all to move forward. So that's why we preach and we talk a lot about works. Because we're trying to become better. In fact, we're trying to win Christ. Okay, so what is, but what does that mean? So look at, back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. It says, And not being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So Paul again Showing this isn't about my righteousness, which is by the law, but it's through faith in Christ. That's why he's saved. He's again 
crediting his salvation to the work of Christ. And so while Paul was clearly saved by faith alone, we see Paul wanted more for himself. And we should all want what the Apostle Paul was striving for. We, we should all want this. So what was it that he wanted? Look what it says in verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now here's another passage that one could take by itself without looking at context and say you've got to attain the resurrection of the dead. If you want to be a part of the rapture, you've got to earn it. The Apostle Paul said that I might attain the resurrection of the dead. Okay? That, that's what Paul said. Yeah, but that's not all that Paul said. Yeah, let's keep reading. Because it says in verse 12, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Okay. Now, what does that statement mean right there? He said, okay, I have not attained the resurrection of the dead for myself. That's what, he's, that's what he's saying right there. He said, but I'm following after. I'm going after something. And he said, I'm going after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So the truth is, we have not attained righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. We have not attained that, have we? But the righteousness of Christ has been attained for us, hasn't it? And by the work of Jesus Christ. We have imputed righteousness. When we stand before God, we will be seen as righteous because of the fact that Jesus Christ attained righteousness for us. And therefore, we are clear from any guilt of the law. That's been attained for us. But the Apostle Paul said, I've got a goal. Even though I've already, this has already been attained for me, I'm going to try to attain it for myself too. Why? Now, why would Paul want to do this? Okay, it's not so he's going to go to heaven. It's so he could know him. And so he could know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. The Apostle Paul, he loved God so much. He loved Christ so much. He's saying, I want to know more about him. I want to be like him. And so right now while I'm on earth, I'm going to do everything I can to achieve righteousness. I'm going to do whatever I can to attain the resurrection of the dead. Even though it's already been claimed for me, I want to work for it right now so I can know him. I want to know more about Jesus Christ so that the Apostle Paul, he's not doing these things so he can participate in the rapture, so he will rise from the dead. He said right there very clearly, it's already been apprehended for me. But I want to go on into perfection. I want to be complete. And I'm not just going to go and I'm not just going to sit around and say, well, I've got imputed righteousness. Therefore, I'm going to go enjoy sin. And we can do that if we wanted to, but if you do that, you're not going to know Christ very well. You're not going to have a good relationship with him. You're, and, you, you know, and the Apostle Paul, too, you know, he made it clear, I'm not just doing this so I can you know, have an easier life, even though that's often why we want to do the, you know, we do right. We're thinking, well, if I do right, I'll have an easier life. I do believe in some ways you will, but sometimes 
you may have to suffer. And that's something that Christians have always had to suffer. But yet at the same time, you know, I don't want to get sidetracked here, but, you know, the suffering that happens in the will of God as Christians, it's better than the good things in the world without Christ. It really is. There's a lot of people out there in the world that they have what the world has to offer, yet they're not enjoying it. While at the same time, you've got Christians that are suffering for the cause of Christ, yet they're enjoying their life. So, you know, I I don't want you to think that following after Christ just means everyone's going to now look at you and think, man, this guy's living a life on easy street. Everything's going great for him. No, actually, a lot of people might look at you and think, man, I wouldn't want to be in that guy's shoes. But you will be happier in the will of God, even if you're sitting in prison. That's just that's just a fact. That's just the way it is. And Paul, he was fine with that because he he's thinking, you know, if I suffer as a Christian, that's just going to help me know Christ even more because he suffered for me. And he is. He's shooting for Christ. He has a goal. So, uh, you know, Paul is saying he's just trying. He had a goal to attain for himself what Christ had already attained for him. And that was perfection in Christ. So, you know, and, and, and th- another way to explain this too, what he's saying right here, you know, suppose I was really into bodybuilding, all right? And obviously I'm not. If I am, I'm failing. But, you know, you, you found out now, I'm like spending all my time at the gym. I'm lifting all these weights, you know. And you're like, hey, what are you trying to accomplish? So you know what I'm trying to accomplish? I could, I, could, I could explain what I'm trying to accomplish in one word, and it would put a picture in your mind, too. Schwarzenegger. <laughs> now, if I said that to you, you would get that, wouldn't you? You know, because, you know, he's just kind of this known muscular guy or whatever, and, you know, it, it, it puts an image in your mind of what I'm trying to accomplish and where I'm trying to get physically. And so we should be the same way when it comes to if somebody asks us, hey, what are you trying to accomplish as a believer? You know, why are you doing all these good works? You know, who are you trying to be? Who are you copying after? Who is your inspiration? What is it you want for yourself? I want Jesus Christ. I'm trying to I'm trying to win Christ. I'm trying to be like him. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here when he's talking about that he may win Christ. The Apostle Paul, he wanted to be like him right then. Now, we are all going to be like him at the rapture because when we see him, we're going to be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We know he's going to change our vile body. Paul talks about that. One of these days, we will actually be like Christ, but that's going to take a miraculous transformation. You know, and Jesus is going to do that someday. But that shouldn't stop us from shooting for it right now and just saying, well, you know, I'll be that way in the rapture. So, I, you know, I don't need to worry about it now. No, worry about it now. You know, we should all have a goal for, that when the rapture comes, that the change that takes place in our body be as little as possible. You know, and, and I shouldn't have this attitude. Well, you know, I'm never going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, so I'm just going to give up and let, let everything go. Okay? You know, and I don't even know. I, I wouldn't even want to be that, that big. Right? But, you know, that's just kind of, you know, that's kind of an extreme there. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, I can never do that, so I just give up. No, don't do. No, don't give up. You know, you'll you'll be better off if you're healthy. You'll be better off, and you'll if you're in good physical shape. You know, go ahead and work. Do your best. Don't just give up. You know, 
But at the same time, that's how a lot of Christians are. I can't be Christ, so I'm just not even going to try. No, try. Do your best. You know, work at it, and you'll be better off if you do that. So, verse 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul here, he's not claiming victory at this point. He's not, he, he said, I'm not there. You know, but he had forgotten about his past failures, and he'd forgotten about his past victories, and he's moving forward. Because the Apostle Paul, too, you know, he had talked about how good he was as a Jew, but part of that, what made him great as a Jew, you know, one of the reasons he had the high standing he did, it was because of his zeal, but what was that zeal? What did that zeal cause him to do? Cause him to persecute the church. You don't think there were probably times that the Apostle Paul thought about when he was consenting into the death of Stephen? I'm sure that kind of thing, you know, the devil probably tried to throw that at him at some point. But, if you know, Paul, why are you doing all the good things you're doing? You're doing this as penance for killing Stephen. You know, you're probably just doing this as penance to make up for all the bad stuff he had done in the past. The devil will use your past against you. You know, the devil will bring those things up. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't bring those things up. But the devil brings those things up all the time. And the Apostle Paul, though, he said, you know, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. And thankfully, because the blood of Christ has cleansed us from all of our sins, you know, you say, well, I can't be Christ because I've done this and this and this. Okay, but the blood of Christ cleansed that. So now move forward and just don't do that again. You know, just once again, don't give. Just because you've messed up doesn't mean that you have to give up. Keep on shooting for that goal. And many people, too, you know, so Paul, he's forgetting those things that are behind. He's forgetting, you know, he, he's forgetting about his victories over the flesh because, you know, it's touching the law blameless. Paul, Paul's forgetting about those past victories, just trying to move forward because that was just in the past. He didn't want to act like one of these, you know, old timers that are always talking about what they did 30 years ago for Christ. You know, one of the, he didn't want to be one of these church members. And I've, went, I've gone to church with these people. 30 years ago, they went to Bible college. And when they were in Bible college, they did works for the Lord. Because the Bible college made them. You know, oh, back when I used to go soul winning, yeah, in Bible college, where you were forced to do it. And they still want to talk about their victories. You know, I'm getting sick, too, of these evangelists that I, you know, I, I've heard and I'll listen to. That... They go all over the country preaching the same messages, and they're still telling their glory stories from 30 and 40 years ago. And I'm thinking, if you're in the service of the Lord right, right now, why don't you have any victory stories from, say, a week ago or a month ago? Why is it that you're all still telling the same stories? I can't listen to a Keith Gomez message without hearing him tell the same victory stories from 20, 30 years ago. I can't tell you how many times I've heard him tell the story about how a deacon in the church started to run, when he had just, not long after he had gotten saved. I don't know how he was already in the deacon meeting not long after getting saved, but he was he was in this deacon meeting not long after getting saved, and one of the deacons was running his mouth about the pastor. And I used to be something before I got saved, blah, 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 you know, and he says, has the same routine as every time. And he tells the story about how he grabbed, went and grabbed, reached over the table, grabbed the guy, and like pulled him over the table in his face, and like told him off or bad mouth the pastor. I don't know how many times I've heard him tell that story. I mean, a zillion times. It's like, man, you pastor a huge church. 
You've been in the ministry for how many years? And you're still telling the same stories from 30 years ago? Hasn't anything happened to you in the last you know, year? You're tr- Listen, if I've heard that story 40 times, I know your church people have heard it you know, 4,040 times. You know, hey, move forward. Right, let, you know, let's talk about some new things. I, I've heard some of these evangelists. I, I was at a camp meeting one time. And I listened to a missionary get up, and, and I won't even tell him. He told this super dramatic story about a woman that they got saved out souling that was just about to hang herself before they knocked on her door. And I'm, you know, and then I'm, I heard him a long time later. He came actually preached at my dad's church, and I didn't even remember the guy. I didn't even remember him. And then all of a sudden he started telling that story. I'm like, I remember that guy. <laughs> I, I remember I remembered his story. He tells the same story everywhere he goes. I know another preacher. I heard him preach four times. And every time I've ever heard him preach, he tells the same story from when he was in high school. And it's just like, man, please go do something. You are full time in the ministry. Some of us, you know, we've got to work jobs in, you know, you know, in order to provide for our family. And yet I've still got, I've got new stories. I've got stuff happening to me all the time. You're full time in the ministry and you're still telling stories from 30, 40 years ago. Will you please move forward? Will you please Go do something. It's pretty frustrating, but I could I could, I could tell these guys stories better than they can, and their stories keep getting better too. And it's like, man, you're, I know you're lying now, because I've heard this story several times, and it just keeps on getting better. But Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul wasn't like that. Paul was always moving forward. You know, the Apostle Paul, after all he'd accomplished. He could have been booked preaching camp meetings and conferences for the rest of his life, you know, collecting the big love offerings, talking about about time that he was in prison, talking about that earthquake. Well, that'll keep him booked for a long time. You know, talking about the time he got stoned. You know, that that'd be a good you know story to tell for a long time. You know, Paul, man, he he could have had it great. But the Apostle Paul is like, no, I'm not ready to retire and go into evangelism, going around telling my glory stories, because I'm not like Christ yet. And so I'm going to keep on moving forward. And I've I've had enough of this, man. I'm I'm done with these just traveling circus shows that just go around repeating their stories everywhere. You know what? Go put your sermons online and just let everybody go online and listen to them. And then when you get something new, come talk to me. All right? Because I'm sick of... I'm sick of hearing your same stories. Nobody cares. So, uh, you know, many people are living on past victories while doing nothing now. So it says in verse 15, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything yet be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So what he's basically saying here, if you don't know what you need to do to be more like Christ, he'll show you. Okay? If you really determine in your heart, I want to be like Christ, you better believe He's going to show you. The Holy Spirit is going to do a work. He'll let you know what you need to do. And so, uh, you know, some people, they haven't been moved of the Holy Spirit to change anything in years. In years. And yet, but if, if that's the case, then you're not right with God. We should be growing. You should be more like Christ today than you were yesterday. Every year we should be coming more like Christ. So verse 16 says, Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, 
let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. So whatever we have attained, let's hang on to that. Okay, let's not backslide. Let's not go the wrong direction. Let's keep moving forward. You know, and let's not back because it's it's a natural thing to backslide. If we're not moving forward, you're gonna you're going backwards. That's all there is to it. And you might not think you're going anywhere, but you're you're going you're going the wrong direction if you're going if if you're not going forward. So verse 17 says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. So follow those who are doing things by faith, not for salvation, but because they are saved. Don't go find that guy, this super hardcore, this this total holy man, you know, that you that you look to thinking, I just I just want to be like him because I de- I know he's going to heaven. Look how holy he is. No, follow the guy who is doing right clearly because he wants to. Listen, if I have to go to church in order to go to heaven, I'm going to go to church because I love myself. I'm going to go to church because I don't want to go to hell. But if I'm going to church, you know, if I, whether I go to church or not, I'm going to go to heaven, then that right there shows I'm doing it because I love Christ. And so you you want to make sure you're following those who are doing right, but they're teaching that, my salvation has nothing to do with my works. That preacher that gets up and all he wants to do is talk about his changed life and all the things he repented of, don't follow that guy. He's doing everything he's doing for the wrong reasons. You know, do follow the person who's preaching the right gospel. So it says verse 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now even now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Anyone who adds any works of salvation, they are an enemy of the cross. The cross is 100%, gets 100% of the credit. The work of Jesus on the cross is what purchased our salvation. His shed blood is what cleansed our sins. Anybody who adds anything to that is an enemy of the cross. That's what the Apostle Paul said. And he said about them, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So these are people who add work salvation. They are fleshly people. They want to point at themselves. They want to glory in their flesh. And Paul said, these people, they're going to die and they're going to go to hell. These people who are going around like they're holier than everybody else, want to talk about how good they are, and that's why they're going to heaven. The Bible says they're going to hell. Their end is destruction and their God is their belly. In other words, they do. They love themselves. They are worshiping themselves. They are, they adore themselves. These are not people that you ought to follow. And he says in verse twenty, for our conversation, our testimony, is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Proof of my salvation is Jesus Christ, and I'm looking forward to when the proof of my salvation shows up. All these people that are out there that want to act like I'm not saved because I'm not doing enough works or whatever like that. You know, the proof that I'm saved is going to be revealed soon, and it's going to be when Jesus Christ returns. There's my testimony right there, Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 21, he said, well, you don't look like him. Well, not yet, but look what it says in verse 21. It says, who will change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. So once again, you know, 
no, no matter how hard I try, I'll probably never look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, all right? I'll, I'll probably never achieve that, that goal physically. Shouldn't stop me from trying to be in shape, things like that. And the truth is, though, I probably never will physically be like Jesus Christ on my own efforts. It shouldn't stop me from trying, though, should it? But here's the great thing, though. One of these days, I actually will be like Jesus Christ physically. I, that will happen to me someday. And it will be at the return of Christ. But I do. I want, I want that change to be as little as possible when, whenever he comes. So I'm going to keep, we're going to keep working forward. And so we will never fully attain Christ. We will never fully win Christ until the rapture. But that should not stop us. Keep moving forward. Keep getting better. Do the best you can. You know, and we're, we don't do good things so you can feel good about yourself. All right? We're doing the things we do so we can know him. And the fellowship of his suffering, the power of his resurrection, that's why we're doing these things. I, I want to get to know him a little better. I want to find out what he's like just a little bit more. So I'm going to keep on studying the word of God, finding out more things I can do to help me get to know him better. And if I end up suffering, good. That will help me get to know him even better. Because we've, we've got that in common. You know, there's, there's a connection that you have with those who've gone through the same things you have. Whether, you know, suffering a loss, whether it be working a difficult job, you know. <laughs> you know, there, there's like a connection you have with those people. Hey, you feel my pain, right? You know, and so it, it, it does, it, it causes a closeness there and a connection. And when we go through things for the cause of Christ, it makes us more like him. It gives us more of a connection with him, and it causes us to love him more. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for all that you've done for us. And I pray you'll help us as uh, believers to do our best to pattern our life after you and to try to be as much like you as possible. I pray that when you do return, that the change that takes place in us will be uh, as little as possible. That We will uh, keep you as the focus of our lives. And I pray that we will get to know you better. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand.